Welcome! You're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thanks again for joining us. Well, good morning, church. Uh, I pray you're doing well. I know it's been a really good week this past week, getting to get started in our summer series, Rhythms of Grace. And it's, it's been such a blessing to be here Wednesday evenings, Sunday mornings. We got good food, good people, and we're just blessed around here. And I know the community is great, but I truly believe that what we're learning this summer is pivotal to the trajectory of us as a church body going into the future. And in this series, Rhythms of Grace, we're learning about God's grace, not only that it saves us, but it also sustains us day to day. And from the beginning to the end of our Christian walk here on earth, it's all God himself willingly and joyfully pouring out his amazing grace to us in Christ Jesus. And last week we heard Mitchell really boast in the grace and the goodness of God towards his people through the spiritual habits. And last week our main takeaway was this. Spiritual habits position us to experience God's grace. If you remember, just like Zacchaeus climbed up that sycamore tree, how that positioning allowed him to experience and to encounter Jesus in a very real way. Us devoting ourselves to the spiritual habits will position us in the same way to experience more of the Lord's grace for us. And all of these habits all summer, they're fueled exclusively by the grace of God. It's a free gift. But there also is a reality of grace-driven effort on behalf of the believer. I really like what Mitchell said, it stuck with me. God's grace doesn't just cause us to be passive bystanders, but active participants. And let's look back at our diagram that we have that outlines this series. There's really three main ways that God gives us rhythms of grace through his spiritual habits. There's prayer, there's church life, and there's the word, the Bible. And this month, the next, this week and the next two after me, we're going to be talking about the word, the Bible. This includes reading it, studying it, meditating upon it. And specifically this week, we're going to be talking about Bible reading all day today. And today's sermon is this, Bible intake, reading for breath. I believe the first and the most fundamental means of God's grace and goodness to us in our Christian life is found in the Bible. And this is the one habit above all others for spiritual life and health and growth. And it's just in the daily intake of his word. And like Barrett already said, and like personally, there has been nothing And I mean nothing that has come close to shaping and growing my relationship with Jesus than the daily reading of the Bible. I've I've listened to sermons. I've read other books. I've had the community groups. I've had the mentors. I've had the leadership opportunities. And those are good things. But nothing comes close and nothing compares to what has grown me in my relationship with God than just sitting and letting him speak to me through his word. And I was really overjoyed when I got the opportunity to preach this because the Lord has just shown me it's nothing fancy that has put me where I'm at. It's just me hearing from him in his word. And I'm so grateful. And I pray that you too would choose to daily experience 
the riches and the greatness that is found in all of God's word for us. And today we kind of have an outline. We're going to do three things. We're going to have one spiritual habit, two reasons why we should say, yes, Lord, I want that. And then three ways we can practically do that. So we'll be filling this out this morning. So I do encourage y'all to take some notes, jot them down, because if you're like me, if I don't write it down, there's a good chance I forget. So one spiritual habit, two reasons why, and three ways how. Today's text is going to be from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll read verses 14 through 17. Now we're in for a treat, I'll tell you that much, because 2 Timothy is actually one of my 66 favorite books of the Bible. Glad y'all laughed at that. It's good. So 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. I'll start at verse 14 and read from the ESV today. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is God's word. So the spiritual habit that the Bible is giving us today is this. Reading the whole Bible gives us opportunity to be shaped by God. Let's read that together. Reading the whole Bible gives us opportunity to be shaped by God. This is our main truth, the most actionable step that we have for ourselves today that we want to leave saying yes to this and knowing how we can do that practically day by day. Reading the whole Bible gives us opportunity to be shaped by God. But I don't want you to just hear it from me, but I want you to see it from the text itself. Paul writes to his son Timothy, calls him his son in the faith. He says, but as for you, dear Timothy, man of God, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. So Timothy's told to continue in something, and we see it's what he's learned and firmly believed in. So our next question as we study this text should be, well, what has Timothy learned and firmly believed? Well, we see it's, he's been acquainted with the sacred writings. It's all scripture. In the Greek, they're the same word. So what Paul is telling Timothy to continue in, to pursue, to abide in, is all of scripture. In other words, the whole Bible. And that's where we get this spiritual habit. Reading the whole Bible gives us opportunity to be shaped by God. So that's our spiritual habit, but why? Why should we in 2022 read a book that's pretty long, that's written nearly 2,000 years ago on a different continent, in a different language, to a different culture? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but for the sake of brevity, I'll really just present you with two. And those two that we'll visit today are these validity and value. We should read the whole Bible because of its validity and its value. And the first of those that we'll visit today is its validity. Validity is really just a fancy way of saying it's the real deal. Some young guys might say it's legit, it's, it's credible, it's trustworthy, it's reliable. And this first point comes from the text we've already read today. All scripture is breathed out by God. And that leads us to our first statement. To read the Bible is to hear from God. To read the Bible and its words is to hear the voice of God. And can we just linger for a moment and consider 
Have we ever experienced the amazement close to what we should feel when we know that the creator of the earth, our God, that he has chosen to speak to us? He didn't have to. He was by no means obligated to, but he has. And he's spoken to us through a book and he's given us the, the, the ability to read and he's given it to us in a language that we can understand. He's given it to us in a hard copy on our phones. And he's blessed us with this and that should leave us in awe that the God of all creation has given us words to know him. And we see this because we know the Bible frequently claims that its words are in fact God's words. For instance, if you've done any Old Testament reading, you perhaps recognize the phrase, thus says the Lord. It's used over 400 times in the Old Testament. And when these prophets preface everything they say with, thus says the Lord, they're claiming that they are in fact the messengers of the very words of God, not their own. And in our text, Paul affirms that all scripture is breathed out by God. So he's teaching us that every word, genealogy, census, parable, prophecy from the Old and New Testaments is from the mouth of God who has spoken it to us through human words that have been written down. And so many of us, man, we would kill to have visions like Isaiah or Obadiah or dreams like Daniel. And so many of us have thought, if God would just tell me what to do, if he would just make it clear and reveal it to me and speak to me, like he's sitting across the table, things would be easier. But ladies and gentlemen, he has spoke to us. He's made it clear. This contains all the truth that we need to know. And I pray that you see and believe the Bible as the very words of God and know that to read the Bible is to hear from God. And this reality about the source of scripture leads us to our second point about the validity. This comes from what many people call the high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying in John 17, and in verse 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And that leads us to this statement. Every word of the Bible proves true. Every single word of the Bible proves true. And this verse is actually pretty interesting. In the original language, Jesus doesn't use an adjective to describe that his, the word is true, but rather he uses a noun that proclaims the Bible is the truth itself. And this difference is huge because Jesus teaches us the Bible isn't true in the sense that it conforms to some higher standard of truth, but rather that we should think as the Bible itself as the final standard of all truth. Meaning it could never leave us astray. No word of it is skewed. No promise that it promises could go unfulfilled. And there's no more guessing games in the Christian life because of this. It's actually really clear now. What does not conform with scripture is in fact not true. And those things that do are in fact true. And I hope it's really refreshing for you. And God provides us with the truth and that truth is found in his word. And it's, it's all that we need. It's sufficient to know him rightly and to enjoy him forever. And every word of it proves true. And these two realities about the validity of scripture, the fact that it's God-breathed and true, serve as the backbone to the validity and our first reason why we should say yes to reading the whole Bible. And our second is the value of all scripture. Our second reason why is the value of all scripture. 
This word value I've gotten from our main text, we've already read again. All scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. It's worth something. It's good for us. It's valuable. Paul writes that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. One of the ways in which we come to trust a message is by the power it has to change people. One of the ways in which we come to trust a message is by the power it has to change people. In the world, they offer us no shortage of content that will seek to give us answers to the questions we're all asking. And you go out into the world and it's like an information overload. You have articles, news reports, Facebook posts, YouTube videos, PowerPoint lectures, devotional books. You name it, the world has it. Have any of you ever been to the Memphis Library? Or a library? <laughs> I'm, I'm going for just general analogies here. If you've been to a library, you see hallway after hallway, shelf after shelf of books with the most clever thoughts of men, with the most knowledgeable of arguments. Some of these books will give you information. Some of those books may give you recreation. Some of those books may try to give you inspiration, but there's only one book that can give you transformation. And that book is the Bible. God's word has the power to enter the heart of man and fundamentally change him more, more than any other word. So that's what happened to me. Has the power to enter a man and change him beyond that of any other word. And what we need as a church here today, as Island Community Church, it's not more facts or thoughts of men, but we need the truth as revealed in the Bible's teaching of who God is and who we are in relationship to them, to him, and seeking to have this reality, this truth, shape and permeate our daily reality. And the way scripture does this, it's through its teaching. In the Bible, there's found a lot of teaching and much of that teaching will find us going the wrong way. It's happened to me and it'll stop you. This is called reproof. It stops you. You see, the Bible, through its reproof, is uniquely able to remove, remove human short-sightedness and sin that blinds them from seeing the fullness of life that Jesus offers in his ways. And not only do we need to be stopped through reproof, but we also need to be turned around, gently set right. That's his profitability and correction. And not only do we need to be stopped, corrected, turned around, but we also need to be pointed on our way. We need to be trained up. Like a child learning to walk, they need to be trained up and supported. That's his profitability and training. When you soak yourself in the Bible, a miracle starts to happen. In your very being, wisdom happens. That's what verse 15 said. Godliness happens. And righteousness happens. And it's a righteousness that goes somewhere and does something. Verse 17 says, it's a righteousness that produces a fruit of good works. The Bible contains God-exalting doctrine for the sake of God-exalting works. It, it's amazing and utterly practical. It's a big book with a big effect on practical everyday living. And because of the Bible, you'll love your spouse better 
You'll love your children better, your neighbor, your coworker, your classmate. You'll love people that annoy you better. And you'll do everything that God calls you to for his glory by its power. Nothing outside of scripture can do this. Nothing can. It has an unimaginable value. And those wrap up our two reasons why we should answer yes to the whole Bible. It's validity and it's value. So I ask you, why wouldn't we do this? Why wouldn't we? Beloved people of God, for the joy that is set before us, why would we turn anywhere else other than a Bible? Or why would we ever neglect certain parts of it? Every word of the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 is profitable for the church. But we too often neglect the beauty that God has for us tucked away in those less popular books or chapters of it. And ponder this. Many of us say that God is the the most important relationship in my life. And that's good. I hope you're saying that. But outside of our relationship with God, we'd also say, hey, my relationship with my spouse or my best friend or a parent is the next most important relationship. But if your spouse or your best friend or your roommate left you many really important messages that were good for you in your inbox or your mailbox, would you choose not to open them? Would you not read them? Would you pick and choose the ones that you liked? Well, no, that's not congruent with the confession that you've made about their importance to you. But I'm afraid that's what we may do sometimes with God in the whole Bible. We choose to skip and skim over the tabernacle instructions in Exodus, or we skip and skim over the ceremonial laws of Leviticus, and we start to skip a genealogy here and a census there. And guys, I know, I know certain parts of scripture are harder I just want to ease the tension. Certain parts of scripture are harder. But if we think of the whole Bible as a terrain with highs and lows, with valleys and with mountaintops, sometimes it's being in the valleys that make the mountaintops so beautiful. We have beloved scriptures in our hearts. I think of Psalm 23. I bet a lot of you have it memorized. Such a mountaintop of scripture written by David. But if we haven't first read through the history books of 1 and 2 Samuel, first chronicles then we won't ever really and truly appreciate the depth and the beauty that David proclaims out of his whole life and all that he's been through in his ministry with the proclamation of Psalm 23 you'll miss the depth if you skip the history books well I think of Romans 8 a mountaintop of the New Testament but if you haven't first trekked with Paul through some deep theology of Romans 1 to 7 through the path that he's led you up the mountain, well, then you won't appreciate the view quite as much. So you see my point, and there's so many other examples of this, and I'm restraining myself from giving you more because I love the Bible, but I want you to experience that firsthand. As you trek through the valleys of scripture, you can behold the mountaintops in a brand new way. And I want you to know that every day in your reading won't feel like those mountaintops, and that's okay. And every day in your Bible reading, you're not going to remember everything. And that is okay. Now, maybe I, I, I met a doctor this morning 
somebody that's new. So maybe y'all are like super geniuses, but that's not me. Like I'm from East Tennessee. I don't remember everything I read, okay? Okay. But those, those forgotten words of scripture, the chapters or books that you feel like you don't remember much about, what they actually do is they create a reservoir of truth that the Holy Spirit can draw from that you didn't even know was there. It's incredible. The Lord is so faithful to tuck away truth deep into your heart, even when your mind was convinced that you didn't remember much of it. And to those who have read the entire Bible, that is such a blessed thing, and I'm glad for you. But I'll just remind you of what you already know. There won't be any new words added to the scriptures. There won't be any new prophecies or parables. But there are depths to the scriptures that even the most learned and godly among us have yet to discover. And it's been my experience that each new time I go through the scriptures cover to cover, I'll come to a passage and I'm like, how did I miss this the first times? This is amazing. And I look forward to the day when, Lord willing, I might get to read the Bible for a 20th or a 30th time, knowing that God's word is living and active and that each time I open it up, God does something new in my heart and he benefits my soul in a new way. Christian joy becomes more whole when we read the whole Bible, whole chapters, whole books, whole testaments. And even in overtime, even the toughest of some of the texts will yield a sweet fruit in our soul. Guys, the Bible is so much more valid and valuable than we can ever imagine. That's why. That's why we should. But how? How? It might be easier for us to get real fired up today and want to go home and read all of Second Chronicles. And I like that energy. <laughs> but, but that's not our goal here. I'm here and I've prayed that God would create in you a lifelong habit, not just one for this summer or for a season, but how can we do that? How can I be consistent in my daily time with God before his word and structure my life so that I can experience this value in all the things God, God offers us in his word? And I do, I wanna be sensitive to the stage of life you're in. I bet there's dads here with two jobs or mothers with new responsibilities students with big exams coming up and I see you and I sympathize with you but I know it is the will of God that his people spend time hearing from him daily and by his grace and by his help he can show us the way of how to do that and when I reflect on the three biggest way three biggest ways how this has become an ingrained in habit in my life there's been three praying preparing and planning Choosing to pray, choosing to prepare, and choosing to plan. The first and certainly the most important thing that I've done in my pursuit of God's word daily has been that I've prayed for it. Guys, I just asked God to help me and I asked a bunch. <laughs> when God saved me in 2017, all I knew from the Bible was maybe a little bit of Matthew, maybe John 3:16. I might have known like the general plot line of Jonah from Sunday school, but that was about it. And I just began to pray saying, Lord, 
Would you give me a desire for your word? Would you give me discipline to sit and know it daily? Honest prayers like, Lord, would you help me to get off my phone or my laptop and get into your word? Would you, Lord, mature me that I would prioritize this all my days? You get the point. I prayed for it. And it wasn't just one prayer. It took months of me praying before the Holy Spirit began to change my heart towards some of these. And I could share 10 practical steps and and talk till I'm blue in the face about practical helps. But I think of what Psalm 121 says, 127 verse one. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So our first way how is we just gotta pursue the Lord and ask that he would help us and give us the strength and the wisdom to walk in this. And it has been my story that God has answered those prayers. He really has. And he's faithful to hear those who are his. But when he first answered my prayers, it wasn't through desire. He first answered my prayer through discipline. God gave me the discipline to sit through mundane days with his word. Many of them, I'll be honest, they felt sleepy. Many of them, they felt like I didn't remember much. But the Lord is faithful as he gave me the discipline to be with him every day. He grew my desire. He grew my desire. And I can testify that the day so much more than 2017 and 2018, I genuinely look forward to my time with God. I'm looking forward to tomorrow morning. I start the book of Micah tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to it because I've been with him and he's met me there. So we must pray before we do anything. So after we pray, what do we do? We got to prepare. And granted, everyone has unique rhythms of life, but in certain ways, we're not super unique. Like we all got to sleep. We all got to eat and drink some water. We all got responsibilities, kids, jobs, school, the dog. I don't know what you got to handle. But it's been my experience that we need to prepare for a set time and set place of the day. And I don't want y'all to be naive or me to sugarcoat it. The enemy will oppose you on this. And if we're not diligent in advance with our preparation, then our Bible reading time will get pushed back further and further into the day and then altogether out of it if we're not careful in advance. So yes, I get that we're all busy and I sympathize with that, but we must be proactive in preparing and shaping our lives to make time for this. And for me, that's been through some key steps of preparation. Okay, y'all are going to get a sneak peek into my life. So here's where I want to be. This is where I want to get. Moses met God on Mount Sinai. I meet with him right here. My little third floor bedroom, bonus room on the island. This is my setup. But how do I ensure that I get here every single morning? The first thing I got to do, don't be grumpy with me, but the first thing I got to do is this. I gotta set an alarm. And it seems simple and elementary. And don't be comparing yourself to me. Some, for some of y'all, that's early. For some of y'all, that's, this is like rookie numbers, okay? <laughs> but for me, I know that I have to prepare for a quiet time in the morning before I head off to campus. And granted, there is no obligation biblically that you have to do this in the morning. I know some people that try a quiet time in the, in the evening before bed. Maybe that works for you, but I know by my experience that that, that's not me because by 9 p.m. my brain feels like a limp french fry and and I I just can't remember much and if I closed my eyes and said I was praying, I would just be asleep. 
so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what time slot it is for you, but there is one. And you need to take it seriously and prepare. Maybe it's an alarm in the morning like me. Maybe it's a reminder on your phone or an accountability partner. I don't know what it is, but prepare for it. And then for me, I've also learned to eliminate any form of resistance that could potentially rush my time with the Bible. And for me, that's doing a few key things the night before. The first of which is this, I gotta pack my lunch. I mean, it seems dorky, and don't be hating on the peanut butter sandwiches and orange slices, okay? This is childlike faith and childlike nutrition. <laughs> yes. I'm glad y'all laughed at that one. I was hoping on that. But I, I don't know what this looks like for y'all. Maybe, maybe it looks like you meal prepping. And maybe it looks like you doing whatever you need to do so that your time with God is not interrupted or rushed. And this gives, the fact that I know that my lunch is packed in the morning gives the enemy one less piece of ammunition to tempt me with. Because all I gotta do to leave is put the peanut butter on the bread and then I'm out the door. So nothing can rush me in my time with God. And then last but not least, I do this. I pick out my clothes. Now for me, it's predetermined. I wear gray scrubs every day. But the fact that I have everything set out, my clothes are laid out, I can wake up, I can take a shower, and then it's time to be with God. And these things that I prepare ensure that I get to that desk where I meet with God. It ensures that I get the delight of being with God every morning, no matter how busy that I am. I don't know what these steps of preparation look like. I'm sure they'll be customized to your stage of life but there are steps of preparation that you can walk in to ensure that you get to be with God. And last but not least in my time of pursuing this as a habit, I've had a plan. A Bible reading plan is so important. We've talked about the whole Bible being profitable. So we have to make sure that we're receiving a balanced exposure of all of it in whatever time frame is appropriate for you. And I know we all read at different paces and there's different levels of comprehension and that is so okay. But it is important that we have a plan that holds us accountable and there's so many trustworthy ones out there. I think about choosing, choosing a Bible reading plan reminds me of what they teach us about for giving a prescription medicine at school. They say, pick the one that the patient can be most compliant with. Now for us, the medicine's the same, it's 100% pure word but the dosage and the frequency may look different. And that'll be based upon your circumstance. The dosage and the frequency may look different. So what I'm saying is just pick a Bible reading plan that fits your capabilities. Don't just pick one that's like the verse of the day on your Apple watch. That's probably not enough for most of us. And don't pick one that's at such a blistering pace that it leaves you behind and discouraged. So pick one that's reasonable that gives you an appropriate portion of God's word to sustain you for that day and continue in it. And you can be excited and delighted that God will bless you in a new way each day. So those three summarize the three ways how, through praying, preparing, and planning, and there's round out our outline that we've created today. Our spiritual habit of reading the whole Bible gives us opportunity to be shaped by God. The two reasons of why its validity and its value. 
in the three ways how through pray, praying, preparing, and planning. And as I close the day, I just reflect on how good God has been to me. This isn't the main Bible that I read from every day, but this is the, this is the first Bible I bought when God saved me when I was 18. It's a New King James. <laughs> but I like, I like looking through the underlines and the circles and remembering that as I sat on my desk as an 18, 19, 20 year old, before I ever had a microphone near me, before I ever did anything for his glory, that God was with me. That God was with me. And I think about what Moses said near the end of his life to the people of Israel, referring to the scriptures, he said, it is no empty word for you. It is your very life. Island Community Church, that is what I leave you with. It is no empty word for you. It is your very life. So join me. Join me in reading the whole Bible for the joy that is set before us. Pray with me now. Heavenly Father, thank you for how you have loved me. You've loved me through giving me your word. Thank you for how you love each of us. You love your people and you speak that love to them through your word and you lavish them with your grace and your truth in your word. So Father, I pray that we would see the incredible value that your word brings to our lives. <laughs> it's better than the best thing, God. And we cry out, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you, Lord. That is our cry. We just wanna know more of you, Lord. So please, Lord, grant us desire for your word. Grant us discipline for your word and teach us, Lord, through your word each and every day, Lord, for the rest of our lives. Thank you for this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for today's Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis. We want to encourage you to join us in person for worship soon. No podcast can ever replace the good design of God in gathering in person with other believers for worship in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with ICC, you can visit us at iccmemphis.com. As we close, we offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for joining us.